Hello. <laughs> it's been a while since we've done this. <laughs> How do we start again? You say good morning. Good Jamie. morning, Jamie. <laughs> good morning. We're back. How are you? We're back after a summer hiatus. It's still the summer, really, but yeah. we took a quick, quick break to take care of a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, you went to Germany. I went to Germany and Switzerland. It was so fun. My kids did such a good job. I was so proud of them. They like tried all these new foods and they tried to speak German and they like were just game for anything we wanted to do and they were great on the plane and they're only 6 and 4 so that being good on a plane is you know. Yeah, how long really... is the flight from LA to to there? Uh it was 10 hours there and 12 hours back. Yeah, not great with young kids. <laughs> no, not great. Not great. But they were yeah. great. Oh, they good. did a great job. So, but on top of all of that, you and I have been in like crazy planning mode. Yes, we took a couple of months off after Cancun, and now we're back in it. <laughs> we're back in it with two conferences coming up. Yes. So we thought today would be a good subject, as we're in that headspace anyway, to talk about how you put on a conference because. Uh, yeah. A few of us in this industry do it. There's a few conferences out there. And uh, yeah, we thought we'd talk about that. So why don't we go back to the start? And Great. what was your motivation? Why did you want to start a conference? You know, when I started Voice Actors of NYC back in 2016, 2017, New York didn't really have a group that was like, you know, the New York group. And there were no conferences happening in New York. The only things that were happening were people's individual classes, which were great. There's so many amazing coaches and places to take classes in, in New York City. And then our voice actors of NYC events, which they started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it became a real family. I always joked with people that we used to have our events um, Sunday afternoons. And it felt a lot like going to church, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like voiceover church with all the same people and people brought like potluck food and we we learned about things and we were inspired by people. And, um, and that venue was kind of like churchy as well, wasn't it? Like a sort of yeah, church Yeah, it room. was. <laughs> we were at a place, we were at a place called Arts on Site that was um, basically just a big open space with some benches and folding chairs and we made an aisle down the middle and it, it was just it was just great and you saw the same people week after week and our events started selling out like a hundred people in person in a couple hours so I knew that there was a market for a bigger event and I knew that there was kind of a need for a bigger event like a conference in New York um, and there weren't a ton of voiceover conferences in 2019, not like there are now. And Jamie and I kind of connected. We connected and tell tell them about your idea of what the conference should be, because it was really your idea. Well, I had the podcast, VO School podcast, and I was putting that out and it was sort of growing steadily as well. 
And it just struck me that the podcast, we talked a lot about the business of voiceover and, you know, how to actually operate day to day. And there were definitely classes at the various conferences that existed at the time. But I got the sense that they were quite sparsely attended because the performance classes were always more attractive to attendees, you know, much more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, in terms of what is going to impact you day to day, learning the business of the industry felt like a much better use of time. And I was interested in possibly some kind of event, you know, bringing the voiceover community together. And I was on the East Coast, like you, I just moved out of New York. And I wanted to meet a lot of the people who were listeners, listeners of the show. And so we talked and rather than just do just another conference, we were like, well, what about if we did a business focused conference and we didn't have any performance? So people didn't have the choice to <laughs> avoid the business what classes and panels. Um, and so, yeah, we came together and figured it out. And that's that's really the genesis of vocation is just the combination of both the VO School podcast, uh, voice actors of New York City, and then focusing really drilling down into the business side, which I'm really happy that we did and that we have a sort of little corner, a little niche that we occupy because we're not really a direct threat. We're not really a direct competitor to any other conference because we do our own thing and we're friendly with all the other conference organizers and you know they know us and we know them. So there's, there's no real hard-nosed competition elbowing each other. <laughs> so that, that's nice. And we know that we have a real distinct particular focus. And I think, you know, I don't know about you, but like how many hours a day uh, like what percentage of the time that you are working would you say you are actually speaking behind the mic? Oh, <laughs> yeah, a small percentage. <laughs> like maybe, I would say maybe less than 20% of my yeah. day yeah. is spent actually speaking behind the mic. The rest of my day, the other 80, 85, 90% of the day is spent emailing, invoicing, uh, looking looking for different leads and making graphics on Canva and mm-hmm. <laughs> and talking to my agents and working out schedules and like all of the all of the business stuff that then makes it possible for me to actually speak behind the mic. And I didn't realize, I think coming from coming from an opera background, you know, the performance and the practice is really, pretty much all you have to do. You kind of have agents and managers who are in charge of finding you new work and finding you auditions. There's a good amount of time that's travel, but you are really mostly an artist and the business stuff is taken care of by a lot of other people. I mean, there's a, there is still business stuff that you have to do, but it's definitely not the same as voiceover mm-hmm. um, because in voiceover, you really are your own small business. And I don't know about you, but I don't have a degree in business. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I never never took classes in school about business. I've learned everything on the fly. Um, I have a degree in opera singing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even have a degree, so... Yeah, and even if you do have a business degree, it's still going to be broad, isn't it? I mean, in terms yeah. of what we do, it's quite specific how we operate yeah. you know, and what we have to do every day. 
I, I always tell people, like, I feel sometimes like I got thrown into a calculus class when I only had a basic knowledge of algebra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and like, I understand the words that you're saying, kind of, but do I know how to solve the equation? Not always. Yeah. <laughs> but I can see what you're doing there. Kind of makes sense. Am I always going to get it right? No. <laughs> step one is knowing what you don't know. And exactly. Then step two is figuring out the yes. answer to the equation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think, you know, I was talking to Maria Pendolino yesterday, just like we just were having a chat as friends. She was saying like the number one reason why people fail at voiceover is lack of follow through. Mm. You know, you have this idea, you want to be a voice actor then you see all of the things that you have to do in order to be a voice actor. And if you can follow through with all of those things, then there's a much greater chance that you will be a successful voice actor. Yeah. Versus like, you know, just doing like, okay, well, I took some classes. Now I'm just waiting for the phone to ring for my big break, you know, and then I'll go into a studio and... It's a blessing and a curse being your own boss because you can definitely fall into the sort of analysis paralysis of there's so yes. many things I could potentially be doing right now and you end up doing none of them. And yes. especially so when you're starting out because you don't know, well, do I look at this? Do I go in this direction? Do I try this genre? Do I do that? And really you do just have to like put one foot in front of the other and just start and figure it out. And that's yeah. why it can take a long time to get headway in this industry because you've just got to throw enough stuff at the wall to see what sticks. And sometimes mm -hmm. it can be a little chaotic in terms of what you're trying and what you're learning and what you're experimenting with. And only when you have gone through that chaotic process do you can you start to form kind of a more strategic plan, I think. And yeah. I think that chaotic first year two three is is off-putting because it isn't like getting a job and climbing the ladder and fulfilling the tasks or being in school and you have to write the essay and you're told to do this and you know go here and be in that class at a certain time is very much self-motivated and uh, i always go back to i always go back to this thing that christian lance said on our working pros panel one year at at evocation which was you have to follow your dreams don't force them down a preconceived path. Yeah. And that really resonates with me because like, I don't know about you and every other person listening to this podcast, but I wanted to be a Disney princess. <laughs> so did I. I wanted to do animation. Yeah. No, I wanted to do animation and animation's like one of the number one reasons why people get into voiceover is because it's like it seems so fun and it's like, oh, there are people doing this and doing it for a living and making money at it and it's so great. And then when you see the reality of who is doing animation and the fact that it's like a very closed genre, a very closed club of people who get to do it, it's not a lot of people, but that this job of being a voice actor has so many different branches to the tree and so many different ways that you can earn income and that all of them are really fulfilling and 
great and stretch you in ways that you never thought you needed to be stretched, like learning weird medical terminology (laughs) (laughs) or like repeating numbers over and over and over again for a new phone system or (laughs) or doing an audio book where you are literally every single character in the book. And it might not be an animated series, but it's but it's you're acting. You get to be all of those characters. Like once you see that, you understand, oh my gosh, the world is so much bigger than I thought. And even if I might never do animation, this is an amazing job. And the business side of it is such a big part of it. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I think this conference is great. These conferences, plural. I think that also it's hugely exciting when you realize that you can discover whole new areas of interest in your life that you didn't think you had. And there is something very rewarding about finding out that you are naturally drawn and good at something that you had no idea that you were good at. And there are certain things that, I'll give you an example. For me, I I always thought, well, I've got the British accent, you know, a certain character to my voice. I thought, I would be really good at luxury and and like cars and stuff like that, that kind of, you know, commercial kind of read. Can't get booked on that for love nor money. For some reason, it just... <laughs> you know who could? Hey. Falco Scrabble. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, if I put that hat on, maybe I could book those games. <laughs> but I discovered I was good at some really totally random other genres And, you know, they pay just as well. They're just as rewarding. They're just as satisfying. They employ different parts of my brain. I discovered I was really good at screaming and shouting really loudly and doing that for four hours. And my voice is fine. Like, (laughs) never knew that. I don't do that in my regular day. Um, (laughs) Why not? Now I've got my booze. I mean, I can literally do it all day long. It's fine. Um, You don't don't get shot at and like set on fire on a regular basis? No. Well, I am living in America, so the chances have gone up (laughs) in the last 14 years. Um, Oh, no. Yeah, sorry to make it a bit dark there, but but no, it's it's fun to discover things about yourself and and explore those areas, and then pivot when you need to. You know, if you find something mm-hmm. new, and then you can go, oh well, actually, I just realised the market likes this quality of mine. I'll go over there and work in that area, and it's it's never boring. You know, it's never the same yeah. because also the market shifts and trends change and stuff. So that's that's fun too. So. Anyway, we, we need to bring it back to conferences. <laughs> um, Let's do it. Yeah, so what do you think it takes in terms of skills, personality, to run a conference? Is there is there a personality trait that you must have to do this kind of thing, would you say? Uh, yeah, you have to be a person who likes... Man- you have to be a sheepdog. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I feel like... I feel like one thing that I have always been good at since I was a little kid is being in charge of a group of people and <laughs> telling people what to do and where to be. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I could have excelled as a director or... Headmistress? A, uh, a what? Headmistress. A mistress? Headmistress. You know, like it's... <laughs> Headmistress. Not a, Not a mistress. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a minute, Jamie. I could tell people what to do. <laughs> In my, with my whip. No, uh, a headmistress. Yes, at a school. Hmm. Yeah, that's where I was. That's where I went. <laughs> uh, no, um, no. But I, I feel like I've always been good at planning things. Um, my, my mom is a teacher, 
that my dad is a performer. And my parents also love putting on parties. And so from the time I was really little, we had, and we have like just built in to our like regular life, we have literally 50 extended relatives who who used to come. We used to have Sunday night dinner at someone's house in my family every single Sunday. And it was between 20 and 50 people that would show up every single Sunday. So I feel like from the time I was really little, I understood how to put on an event easily and what was important to people and what was not people didn't really care about it. And so that I think is that I think is good. I think you have to be nice. I think you have to be personable and open and honest. The thing that uh, would bother me a lot is if someone was putting on a conference and I felt like they were just trying to make money off of me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if they invited me to speak and I felt like every single at every single turn they were trying to make money off of me, you know. Mm. But yeah, I think I think that's I think that's an important trait to have is is just the ability to put together something and manage people. What about you? Yeah, I think so. I think all of those things for sure. And I also think you have to be able to go with the flow to a certain degree, be able to shift as things change, be spontaneous, because particularly in-person events, things change, unexpected things happen. <laughs> um, what you said about a sheepdog Remember is... Remember the time we had rain? Yeah. <laughs> rain at lunch? <laughs> Which we had a sense that it could happen, of course, you know, but right. we had a bit of a plan but in place. Still, but still... Yeah. <laughs> In the morning, we went and I went to the CVS across the street or the Walgreens or whatever it was, and I bought like a hundred umbrellas yeah. <laughs> so that we could eat lunch in the park yeah. under the umbrellas. Yeah, but when Luckily, the days, it wasn't a downpour, the days but... when it wasn't raining, lunch in the park was glorious. So, you know, it was oh, worth it for so the one day. and fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, there's lots of things like that. And when you're dealing with large groups of people, you can't, you cannot preconceive every potential eventuality of every circumstance so you have to be spontaneous and, and react to things that happen actually even on the virtual events that happen too as well so I think you have to yeah. have that not panicking in, an, in a situation where something isn't going exactly as you expect it to and yeah having a sort of not unemotional but you get into a sort of management role where where it is just a case of, okay, well, everything's possible. We can deal with that. We'll figure that out. Don't worry about it. There's been some times where outside people, I remember one of the hotels we hired was giving someone a hard time, one of the attendees a hard time, and you went and set them straight. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, you mm -hmm. just sometimes you have to, you know, turn on the stern voice and, and make, it, make it happen, you know. So, you know, you have to really be open to all of that stuff. And um, all the while not turning it into some kind of military operation where everyone has to do this. Absolutely. You know, you sort of retain that sense of, you know, spontaneity with the for the attendees too. You know, it's still got to be fun and enjoyable. So yeah, I think I think there's a few skills. The other thing the other thing that I that I have realized putting on now, I think I've done like hundreds of events between all of the events that we've done and all of the events with Voice Actors of NYC and now all of the events with Nava. I think I've probably put put on hosted at least, you know, six to eight hundred events at this point in my life. One thing that I have learned is that it's very important to be extremely clear in your messaging 
about procedures <laughs> yeah. related to events because the fact is no one reads their emails. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no one reads. Yeah. If you put a diatribe of paragraphs of text, no one reads it. I don't even read it when people send None. me when people send me things and I put on events and I know that I should read every single word, but I absolutely do not. So you have to be very clear and this goes for just in your regular voiceover life too. Brevity is oh. such a great skill to learn and to be able to be brief but not curt mm-hmm. and still polite and still happy and excited and engaged is a real skill. I have learned that uh, bolding the things that you want people, their eye to go to, is like one of the most important things to do to communicate. Yeah. So if I want, if I'm sending an email to all of our speakers who are all brilliant minds in voiceover, and what I really need from them is a headshot and a short bio. I will write a little intro like, hey, everyone, so excited that you're going to be speaking at Vocation. If you could please send me, next line, a headshot, bolded, (laughs) next line, and a short bio, bolded, and reply to this email, you know, blah, 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 blah. We would be so grateful. Thanks so much again. Bye. Like, so that when you open the email, you see a headshot and a short bio. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Never ask for more than sort of three things in any one communication because you know that. Yes. The the other thing that I really enjoy about our events, and it wasn't, we didn't plan it this way. It just has sort of happened. And I'm sure this is the case for many other events too, is that because we're not presenting ourselves as these sort of uh, monolithic kind of gods amongst men, (laughs) there's a sense of... Although we are. I mean, let's be real, Jamie. Even though we are, yeah, we're, we we're literally so spend our afternoons on Mount Olympus. <laughs> There's a sense that we're all in it together at these events, right? I mean, I oh I, yeah, for and sure. And so, if someone doesn't get something, other attendees will step in and say, "Oh no, actually, you have to be here at a certain time," or the lunches yeah, are in yeah, the yeah. park. And there's this really lovely sense of community that I enjoy. Um, yes. And there is that, I feel it too, that there is that sense that it's a certain amount of camaraderie at these, you know, and if you can, if you can engender that in your attendees and that sense of, of community, it makes our lives as organizers a lot easier and more pleasant, you know, and Mm -hmm. we haven't, I mean, touch wood, (laughs) we haven't had uh, any meltdowns, any truly disappointed people in past events that we've had to deal with. I can't think of any instances where that's been the case. I mean, if they were, they didn't tell us. No, and that's fine. If they don't tell us, (laughs) we don't know, and therefore it's okay. Sit in there, (laughs) sit in their homes, grumpy. And I think that- that, That's fine. I think that is- That is a big part of not being combative. There's not that sense of them and us. We're all in it together, you know. Well, and also our conferences are pretty- intimate yeah. compared to some some of the conferences that are out there. You know, we're, we don't have 500 people. We usually, for our in-person events, have around 100. And for the online events, it's between 100 and 200 that are actually attending live. Yeah. So the chances of someone feeling slighted in some way or 
you know, I think that it's it's less because there are just fewer people. So it's just statistically less. But yeah, I think also that kind of intimate feeling that exists at our conferences and also everybody takes the same classes all day long. Yeah. So we know exactly what's being said all the time in all of our classes because we're there right right there with you and we're all there. So um, so I think the chances of something going awry uh, are, are less because it's because it's smaller. Mm. Um, how do, how do I pivot to this question? <laughs> what, so for all the people out there who are thinking like, you know, I've been in voiceover for a long time and I feel like I really have something to teach now. I'm at a point in my career where I feel like I could teach others something about what I do that makes me special, special or good at various aspects of voiceover. What do you look for? when choosing a speaker at a conference? Well, again, we have it a little easier because we've already, we're already within a niche of the business. So, I mean, we, we talk about this quite a lot in terms of what our focus is for each event. And I think that really helps. And even if it's not explicit in the marketing or whatever, we, have a, we generally, for most events, we have an intent to what we want attendees to walk away with, what we want them to have figured out. Like, for example, evocation coming up, it's very much, it's not entirely that, but it's focused on AI because that's obviously the big talking point in our industry right now. And so there are a few, m- multiple factors is the person do we deem that person qualified enough to talk on that subject? Can they articulate that? clearly in a way that maybe they know the subject, but can they explain it to people who don't know the subject quite as well? And do they have, I don't know how to put this exactly, but do they share our values in terms of wanting to help the community mm-hmm. rather than just mm-hmm. see them as, you know, a, uh, a big wallet <laughs> to raid? Mm-hmm. Um or a big name, or a big name, and they're a big star, and they're just gonna like yeah, just waltz in and spew their knowledge all over a crowd. Right, and is it current? <laughs> that, is it is it information is it that exactly. is relevant now? Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and those are my general criteria, I think. And and even if it doesn't perfectly fit within the theme of the event, if it has real value and and isn't taught at every other conference on the planet, um, that yeah. that will be something of value because every. When you buy a conference ticket to any conference, ours or someone else's, you get pretty good value because you're getting a you know a lot of education in a, from a lot of people throughout the whole weekend, and so we want to make sure that every single potential opportunity for learning, particularly as we are very much like a, a single track, has value. And and a big thing for me is that you leave with actionable, immediately actionable education that you can apply immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, if if most of those that criteria is covered, they're a slam dunk. You know, and you yeah. know, then then it comes down to scheduling and <laughs> all that other boring stuff. But you know, those those are, I guess, my things. What what about you? Anything else in there for you? For me, it's important to choose people who are engaged with our community, mm. with not not necessarily our community, but with the voiceover community in general, right? So it would be really hard for me to choose a speaker who I've never seen talk online about anything in particular, who they tell me like, oh, well, I earn, you know, enough money to make a living in voiceover and I uh, am really good at like, 
I don't know, commercials or something. Like, that's fine. But if no one in our voiceover community knows who you are, it's a harder sell. And it doesn't it doesn't make people excited to see you if you don't have a presence in the community. The other thing that I think we both really try to to look for when we choose our our whole lineup of speakers is um, kind of like diversity of experience, right? So we don't want to have all people who only do direct marketing and that's the only thing that they do. Um, We don't want to have people that only do online casting. We don't want to have people that only work with agents. and, And that's the only thing that that is in our conference is like, all these people are agent actors and they're going to tell you how to do things one way. But diversity of experience also to me, to me includes where you come from, your ethnic background, maybe your, your cultural history, like the, the parts of the business where you excel, like the things that have happened in politics and history and current events that make your experience in voiceover different from other people's experience in voiceover. So we try as much as we can to have as much diversity in our speakers as possible. And then there is a balance of like, we want to have people who are well-known and we also want to have people that maybe aren't as well-known, but are still engaged in the community. Mm -hmm. And we know that they have something great to say. Yeah. So yeah, that's really, that's really important to me when choosing our entire lineup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th- I think people just maybe assume that we just kind of throw it together <laughs> without much thought. But it, it, there, there is a lot that goes into it. And, and you now I sort of glibly said that, you know, the scheduling part too, but trying to arrange, I mean, particularly for in-person and particularly in-person internationally, mm-hmm. figuring all that in and then figuring in the strategy of getting people there, when they're going to speak, what their compensation is and, you know, all that kind of business stuff, it is not a straightforward thing. It can feel like a real Mm-mm. puzzle. So why don't we talk about the nuts and bolts of of how we actually organize the thing? Oh, yeah. That's kind of fun. We would be nowhere without Google. Google Docs. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, without Google Docs. I mean, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Our entire conference is built on Facebook Messenger and Google Docs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it really is because and and this is this really just kind of happened by default like we could we could be texting each other all day but i think you and i we started messaging on facebook messenger that's how we first got connected and it works really well for me because our our audience our our group is on facebook um we do a lot of different things on facebook so when i already have my computer screen open it's so much easier to just type you a message on facebook messenger than to try and text it to you on my phone yeah so that's so that's one thing but then we have shared google docs in our shared email address and that's really helpful too the other thing is you and i do working sessions mm. where and I think that is like anyone who's planning a project to get on Zoom with a person that you're planning a project with and to just get everything done as you talk about it together on Zoom is so beneficial. Yeah. 
Like, I'll just say, hey, did you email so-and-so yet? And you're like, oh, no, I meant to do that yesterday. And I'm like, okay, let me just send her an email right now. Done. Okay, what about the swag stuff? Like, should we look at this? Okay, what do you think of this? Oh, that's good. Let's order that. Okay. And it like so much gets done in an hour. Yeah. And half the time is just like us sitting there in silence. Ticking away on the on the keyboard, but we're just getting so much done. Yeah, that's what we would do in an office. Yeah, you know, if we had desks next to each other, that's what we would do. Yeah, you would sit and do your work, and I'd sit and do my work, and I'd lean over to you and say, "Hey, did you did you did you send those reports? Did you get that report? TPS report? Yeah. No, yeah. Did you get the TPS report? Where's my stapler, Jamie? Oh, can we just go into an office space episode? <laughs> um, yeah, I I think those working meetings uh, we get so much done, and you know, the, I really like the text based nature of our communication so much because there's always a record of it. And if you're mm-hmm. in the middle, if you're driving someone, you can't respond. You can just as soon as you get out of the car, you can send a quick message back. And the other thing with Google is we've leaned into uh, spreadsheets lately and multiple mm-hmm. tabs. So we'll have, for example, mm-hmm. we'll have a tab for. The speakers will have a tab for the schedule, we'll have a tab for the communication, we'll have a tab for blah, blah, blah. And it's all in the one place. It's accessible on our phones, on our computers, whether we're out, whether we're at the event. We'll have all the contact details for if we need to call someone up and like, where the hell are you? So a simple little application like Google, Google Docs, and it's in the cloud and Google isn't down that often. So, I mean, we're a little screwed when... Google's down, but it luckily Google, isn't. Google just... <laughs> yeah. I think we're pretty safe. There are all these applications, these sort of like super businessy applications that are more complicated, but I feel like I wouldn't, there's nothing I'm la- we're lacking from what we have. No, definitely not. Yeah, like what? what are, what's the one that people use all the time? Uh, oh, there's a Slack for communication. Slack, yeah. Slack, 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 Slack. Yeah, I've, it, I've been invited to company Slacks when I do voiceover for them. Yeah. Like, just to see what the process is like. I mean, not uh, like they invited me so that I could be part of the collaborative process, which I don't, there's no reason for me to be part of the collaborative process. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just the person reading the words. But um, it's really interesting to see how teams of people uh, put together projects in places like Slack. Um, another one that, that Nava uses a lot is Discord, mm. which I like Discord. But it's it's a little tricky because I'm not on there already. Like I have to I have to make an effort to get on Discord to see what all the discussion is about. Yeah. But Facebook, I'm on there already doing all the various things that we're doing with our groups. And so having you also right there is like it's not an added step that I have to that I have to do. And I'm in my email already all day. So Google is like right there as well. And we've so really good. somewhat committed to our Facebook group as the place mm-hmm. where we grow our community and communicate with the community. And, you know, mm-hmm. for whatever you think of Facebook, that is that is what we committed to early on, and that's what we're still doing. And a lot of voice actors are still on Facebook, maybe if they're only using it for groups. So it is a yeah. very, it's a really appropriate platform for interaction and conversation in a way that Twitter isn't, Instagram isn't, threads isn't threads yeah isn't so much um but yeah i mean a lot of we don't know about threads yet it's only been a week and a half Yeah, i'm figuring out (laughs) what is the difference in your mind what is the benefit of an online conference versus an in-person conference to who like what are the differences 
all, everything, everything. What, like, why would someone now post pandemic in quotation marks still do a virtual conference? Well, I mean, accessibility is the big one, right? I mean, it's, it's so accessible. Um, cost is another one. You know, it's so much cheaper to attend a, a virtual conference than it is to buy a conference ticket, fly to a, a location, stay in a hotel, eat out the whole weekend. You know, like you're in the comfort of your own home. You can be even driving around and listening to the content while you're on the phone. Accessibility is the big one. And for us as well, because we sometimes have access to speakers that we couldn't otherwise get because maybe they're living in Europe or maybe they have the sort of golden handcuffs of being working promo unable and to unable to travel. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's easier for us to sell attending a conference if it is an hour out of someone's time rather than at least 48 hours of flying somewhere and staying overnight and then coming back again. So um, that's really good. In terms of attendees, well, they get the benefit of that too, of course, because they get the, the speaker lineup, particularly with our conference and in not being performance-based. I think being at home, being in your office or on your computer and having all your stuff right there and then, there were people tweaking their website when we were doing an episode, uh, a class on SEO with Joe mm -hmm. and Karen. At Voice Actor Websites. Shout out to Joe and Karen. Yeah, and they yeah. were tweaking their website and making changes and updating it live there and then, you know, while they were talking. And... Uh, and for the people that have other life responsibilities that mean they can't get away, you know. Yeah, like children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although I'm I'm leaving my children more times than I ever have in my entire life to go to so many different events this year. Not only voiceover events, but also things that are kind of voiceover adjacent that I'm attending for uh, NAVA. Um, and... It's it's crazy and it's really expensive. Mm. It's really expensive, and I don't know if you know this, but Nava is a nonprofit, <laughs> and we we don't have a budget for anything really. And so a lot of this travel and a lot of these things, you know, I I personally am paying for myself to be there because I think it's important. So I know what it's like to have to go to a conference and spend that amount of money to be somewhere that you really want to be. And the effort that it takes to go, even just as a, you know, as a non-speaker, it's a lot. But at the same time, in-person conferences are absolutely wonderful. Mm. They are so energizing. Like, just to be with people in person who do the same job that you do and yeah. to be able to like hug them and just like sit next to them and have a meal or swim in the pool with them or like have ex have the same experience and hear the laughter in a room which you don't get to hear when you're on Zoom you know that is also an incredibly wonderful thing and virtual conferences i have been so surprised by the amount of connection and uh, togetherness that I feel yeah. from a virtual conference. I was not expecting that. The first one that we did in 2020, I feel like I know all of the people yeah. that attended that conference as if we had been there in person. Maybe even better than if we had been there in person. Yeah. Because um, you got to have 
conversations with people without a giant crowd there. But yeah, I think there are absolutely benefits to both. And I'm really glad that we do both because I think that it it gives opportunities for lots of different experiences and lots of different learning. Yeah. I, I want to talk about the idea of networking real quick, because I think it can can feel intimidating for a bunch of people, particularly if you're newer in this industry and you don't know a whole bunch of people. And attending a conference can be a lot. <laughs> you know, you walk into the lobby for the first time and everyone seems to be having a great time and, you know, you're kind of standing there looking awkward. There's no getting around it. It can be awkward. It can be difficult. But rather than going there with the intent of, I need to get something out of this, I find the secret to networking effectively is to have that mindset of giving rather than receiving. And not in an arrogant way, but in, in a, a sense of that is a job well done. Because forming a connection, making a business connection or even just a personal connection is not something that happens over the course of one drink in an afternoon yeah. at a conference. Mm -hmm. It is the start of a, a relationship. And that slowly builds over time. And it's another another reason why a voiceover career can take a little while to get off the ground, because you can't really speed that up. You can't force that. I've been to events where people show up with a bag full of business cards and are just firing them at people and they move on to the next person and just barely even say hello. And just spewing their business cards out over the <laughs> <Yes>. crowd. <laughs> when has that ever been effective? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Um, and for one thing, you know, you are just marketing to fellow voice actors. And that, that isn't how we recommend each other is, oh, I got a business card from someone. Maybe I'll recommend that person. No. Um, so take the pre I would say take the pressure off, whether it's virtual, whether it's in person, take the pressure off and just go in with an, with an open mind and going go there to... Even if it's just say, oh, I, I met someone the other day. I met someone, you know, yesterday who was in your situation. I'll introduce you or, you know, whatever the thing is, or I took a really great class uh, with so-and-so, you might be interested in that. And, you know, just go in there with a sense of openness and generosity. And that will make you more memorable than trying to force your personality onto someone. Yeah. You know. And also interacting online while the conference is still happening in person mm. is another good way to get people to remember your name and who you are and what you do. And like, if I like, I'll give the example of Isabella Flores, who is not, she's definitely not like an introvert. I would say she's, she's an extroverted person, but she is so funny. <laughs> yes. And everything she writes online, I, I like guffaw loudly <laughs> when I read it <laughs> because she's so funny. And even if I never saw her picture like on Facebook in a little circle, right? And she just had like a blank circle. Seeing her name over and over and over again, engaging yeah. with people and making hilarious comments. If she introduced herself to me in person and I didn't know her, I would be like, oh, my God, you're Isabella Flores. Yeah. Oh, it's so good to meet you. And I would immediately want to talk more to her because I kind of know what she's about from just seeing her interacting online. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I also think that that kind of interaction is very much organic to Isabella and just who <laughs> she is. And she's not trying to make people you know no it's like not her. a shtick <laughs> it's her personality it's stick, but, <laughs> but it's just an example of like yeah. everyone everyone knows isabella because she's just she's engaged and positive and good and 
sarcastic and witty and great. I really think she should do stand-up. I think so, too. She's so funny. (laughs) She's so funny. Let's wrap this up because we're almost at an hour. Um, What do you get out of the conference? What do you get out of the whole process? (sighs) There's so much that I don't know what to say first. So first of all, wow, I I feel like I'm getting emotional talking about this. This is so (laughs) dumb. I shouldn't get emotional about this. Um... I'm, I get really lonely. You know, working in a booth and only interacting with my family on a day-to-day basis is not a natural state for me. And so being in a place at any conference where I'm with people and those people, I kind of know them and we do the same job and we have a lot in common, um, whether that's VO Atlanta or One Voice or Vocation Costa Rica or whether it's an online conference like Evocation, having interactions with people like that makes me feel like I'm part of a community instead of just alone in my box. And for me, the learning part of it is really, really important. And I always learn things at every single conference I go to. But the community part of it and the social part of it is all, is as important, if not more important, for me as a person who really loves to be with people. I'm a theater person. I'm an opera person. I'm supposed to be standing in a massage circle. <laughs> <laughs> before rehearsal, right? That's my natural state. Yeah. <laughs> Not in a box by myself talking to myself. Um so these conferences give me give me that they kind of help me experience those things. Yeah. What about you? I think I'm what they call an ambivert, which mm-hmm. I have elements of wanting to be around people and a large part of wanting to also have my own space and be on my own. And I think I tend to ignore the more extrovert side of what I require out of life because I can be content doing this job on my own and being with my wife, Kate, and not seeing people for long periods of time. (laughs) But throughout that period of time, I know there's a part of me that's withering, you know, that I'm not fully um, feeding. Mm-hmm. So these events are nourishing to that part of my personality. And I'm not going to be the kind of person that just wants to party every Friday night and wants to socialize and have tons of get-togethers. But these things are very invigorating for me when I, when I attend them. And it keeps me going <laughs> for a few months afterwards. And so I love the nature of that we're all in it together. There's a community, there's a communal aspect to it. We understand each other's lives in a way that other people in our life don't. And we can commiserate and encourage in equal measure in a way that other people can't supply that because we have such a bizarre life with the kind of job that we do. And it's it's very privileged life, but it's also, it has its challenges, you know, it's, it has its ups and downs. So I love that sort of shared understanding that that we get out of these events. I do get a a satisfaction out of 
it all coming together and paying off the work that we put into it and the strategy and the you know the puzzle that that it is it's 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 satisfying when that comes together and of course seeing the community happy and seeing other people get something of value from each event that we put on and my absolute favorite part of the whole thing is the scholarships that we put on oh, every year yes it's I literally get emotional. I'm not an emotional guy, but I get emotional thinking about it, how the community comes together every single time we do it. And and it always surprises me that the numbers go up every single time. And if you're not aware of what I'm talking about, how we started off one event, and it was Joe from Voice Actor Websites years and years ago when we did our New York event. He said, do you know what? Don't pay me. Just put my fee towards a scholarship ticket for next year for someone who needs it. And uh, we thought that was a really nice thing to do. And so we, we told everyone. And the following year, other speakers did the same thing. And then because atten- uh, members of our community saw that the speakers were doing it, they would randomly email us and say, I want to buy a, a, a ticket for someone who needs it. And year on year, the numbers have grown and grown as, as it's um, gone on. And how many did we have this year? It was over 30, right? That we Yeah, it was like 30, 36, I think. It was so many. And a lot of the recipients from previous years have now started, it's come full circle and they're donating tickets themselves to like a sort of <laughs> next generation of talent coming forward, in. Yeah. Paying it forward. So it's it's just such a it's such a positive, virtuous circle that that is one of the most satisfying parts of this whole process for me. I agree. And, you know, the thing is, we could not offer that number of scholarships without the help of the community. Mm. I mean, I I feel like we've said this in previous episodes, but these conferences are not like a huge money grab for us. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is not this is not like uh, Karn and Jamie are now going to sail off in into the sunset on our yacht that our vocation yacht um that's a good idea we, we run we <laughs> you don't like boats though no, no. <laughs> i won't be attending but. <laughs> um we run these conferences on a really tight budget and so having donations from the community to purchase tickets for other people to come uh is incredible it's incredible it and it it allows us to put on a conference that is infinitely better than it would be without those donations and and scholarships. So thank you to all of our sponsors and thank you to all of our speakers who have donated their fees because you are giving a gift to our community that is really immeasurable. It is way beyond just helping one person. It helps everybody. So thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Yes, although I will say that Evocation is happening September 8 through 10. It's coming up. You can buy tickets now. If you can't attend live, there is a replay-only option that you can buy. Um, You will get a swag bag in the mail if you register before, I don't know, like the beginning of August. We will set that date. But just in your mind, just go buy a ticket right now if you yeah. want to get your physical swag bag of awesome stuff in the mail. And then uh, tickets to Vocation Costa Rica. We are planning to start selling those on July 26th. And the dates for that conference are April 25 to 28, 2024. Yeah. And for all that information, go to vocationconference.com. That's where you find the ticket links and 
information on the speakers and all the events we have coming up. So yeah, that's that. That's, we got the sales bit in at the end there. We had to, we had to do that. See you soon.